Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It was going great until today when I woke up with like half a sore throat and not feeling well. But this this is on me. I decided to walk a mile to my bus in freezing temperatures yesterday on Thursday. So this is mostly my fault. Um, was there? <laughs> I'm sure there was a reason uh, for walking know, yeah. in that weather. Well, it's because it's the closest bus stop, sort of. Uh-huh. Well, I have many options for getting to work. Um, but that's the one that gets me there sort of like the closest to when I'm supposed to be there uh-huh. versus getting there a half hour early or getting there right when I'm supposed to get there. Yeah. Um, which means I will be late because yeah. buses. Um, so I'm reevaluating my entire morning bus schedule uh, as a result of this because it's only going to get colder here in Tacoma, especially in the mornings. So I have to... Totally overhaul how I think about getting myself to work three days a week now because I can't. I it, it will be very bad to do this to myself on a regular basis. Yes, please don't. That's not good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did want to mention it up here at the top of the show. We talked last week the, about your birthday party was in that was uh, happening uh, between our two records yes. here. Uh, we cannot let an open like an opening of the podcast go without mentioning the gorgeous gorgeous dessert that your person made yes yeah, so she made a multi-layered entremet um which is something that we had discovered on watching zumbo's just desserts which is an australian baking show um that b- apparently bombed in australia uh but d- has done well enough on netflix that they commissioned a second season <laughs> um which is just the best it's just fantastic that that's how that uh worked out for them um, but no, so she made an entremet, which is, I'm pulling up what the layers of it is right now. Um, so it has a sable crust, dark chocolate ganache, devil's food cake, salted caramel mousse, salted caramel ganache slash sauce, another layer of devil's food cake, and then another layer of the salted caramel mousse, and then a dark chocolate mirror glaze, um, all over that. And it was delicious. It was just really, really tasty. Uh, The entire inspiration for it came from... I don't know if you've had these, Kate. Um, Have you ever had a Tillamook um, ice cream sandwich? I've heard of them. I have not had one. Okay, so they're super delicious because um, I, I like ice cream sandwiches in theory, but most of the time I don't like them in practice because the 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 bread quote unquote part of an ice cream sandwich is always really kind of soft and mushy mm-hmm. um and Tillamook's ice cream sandwiches are used like a waffle cookie for the top that is then uh, has a thin layer of chocolate and then ice cream and then thin layer of chocolate and then the other waffle cookie so her whole idea was mimicking that um concept and those flavors and she just completely nailed it like I bit into it and was immediately thought of those ice cream sandwiches and i didn't even know that was her inspiration for it until after i'd been into it mm-hmm. and yeah so that would explain like the, good. the yeah. yeah the waffle crust around like the, around the edge too 
Yes, that was the other thing is that she got like those um, waffle cookie stuff around the edge for it. And it was just, it was really, really good. And she spoils me and I'm very happy she's in my life. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks uh, amazing. Listeners go over to, to Noel's Twitter to, to see pictures and Instagram and, and all of that. Uh, yeah, it looked amazing. And I'm glad that you were so, treated so well uh, for your birthday party. As you said, a fun party where you were, it was your birthday party, but you were not centered and... That it can be a tricky balance, and I applaud your person. Yeah, um, yeah, she just did such a good job on the dessert, and then she um, just completely accidentally, because it was her first time DMing, um, did a total party kill of the group. <laughs> oh, TPK. <laughs> yeah, she she felt real bad about it. Um, the rest of us were like fine with it. It's a one shot, but she just felt so bad that she killed the entire party because in our long running campaign with friend of the show Nick Campbell uh, that he runs, one person has died in four years. Oh wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> so it was just like, oh, I can't keep anyone alive, but Nick <laughs> does, and but Nick admittedly is more of a dungeon mom than a dungeon master. He doesn't want any of us to die. Okay, so yeah, okay, yeah. No, that's fun though. That 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 just sounds like a really fun birthday. Yeah. Like just like well balanced and a good time. And hey, yeah. sometimes sometimes you just have a TPK. You just got to go with the honesty of the moment. You know? Yeah, and that's what happened, and it worked out fine. Yeah. Um. So how was your week though? We've been talking a lot about me and the guy with the sore throat shouldn't be talking this <laughs> That's much true. before going I into a apologize. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, another straightforward week for me. I'm getting ready for a gig out of town next week. And so it'll be lots of, uh, lots, a lot of practicing in these next few days. And it's uh, in Chicagoland, or at least in where I am. It's uh, Columbus Day on Monday, which is still a national holiday. Or a, 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 not a national holiday, it's still a holiday uh, off of school um, mm-hmm. where I am and where I teach, uh, whereas uh, Election Day is not a day. Though the, in, in my school district that I teach in, actually, uh, the kids do get actually Election Day off of school, too, which I think is neat. But, is that um, because the schools are used as polling places? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But hey, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but the... Um, the the thing of note for me this week is that we should mention that it is, as we record, friend of the show Caroline Cedas' 30th birthday today. So happy birthday oh, to Caroline. Happy birthday, Caroline. That's great. Hopefully someone makes you a delicious entremet as well. Yes. I am not doing that. I'm going to <laughs> – we're going to meet up and have some drinks, but I am not making a, an entremet because that is too much work. I'm trying to not have sweets this month and also not okay. drink, so – that's going to probably go out the window at her birthday. <laughs> but Yeah, I was about to say, you just said go get drinks. Um, yeah. You can have a Shirley Temple. Yeah, I I, I, I'll, I'll figure it out. There there are ways. But um, but no, that would just be too tempting. I would just like shove all the chocolate in my face right now. Like the, the mm-hmm. struggle is real, Noel. The struggle is real. I, and, and it's so easy for me when I'm cutting out sugar to just be like, okay, salt instead. All of the chips in my yeah. belly. Um, so I'm trying to be aware of, of all of that as we head into... Uh, so the spooky season and lots of, you know, candy everywhere. It'll be an interesting month. Um, but all of this to say, uh, I have been trying to concoct a birthday present. And unlike certain people on this podcast, uh, Noel, I'm not good at gifts. So this has been an interesting week of brainstorming. I've, I've collaborated with a few other friends of the show, and uh, we I think we have some, come up with something. But in case it didn't go, go off the way as intended, I'm not going to describe it. And just say, it's the thought that counts, right? 
I'm I'm looking forward to hearing how this goes next week. Yay! <laughs> um, this week, while I'm sure everybody will be talking all about El Camino, uh, probably more on that next week for us, this week we're talking um, in our spotlight section about the first season of a Netflix genre show that is a German series called Dark. And if you haven't heard of this, listeners, welcome to me, like, at the start of the summer. But then I kept hearing about it from lots of different places. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously you tell me uh, a, a missing kid drama in a small town. I go, oh, come on. And they say, and there's time travel. And I go, ooh. So we will be talking about that at the end of the show. Uh, had you heard about this one before I brought it up? Yes. Um, Caitlin Thomas over at TV guide.com is a big big fan of the show so much so that when i told her i was finally getting around to watching it um she was just like this is probably like in the top three of shows that netflix has done for her um so she's really really into it uh she really loved the season two uh which we did not watch as part of this we were going to listeners and then i went i do not have 18 hours in a week to watch oh yeah no me uh, neither a dense a uh, dense, german time travel super <laughs> dense german you know yeah no not so much not so much so we'll be talking about that at the end of the show it was it was an interesting interesting show to watch and the conversation will be as well um but for now we are returning to a split segment weeking tv what? How decadent. It's because all the CW shows are back, guys, and so it's too much for one segment. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to the Girlfriends theme and head, come back with our Week in TV, starting with comedy and reality. So we'll be right back after this. That was the girlfriend theme featured, of course, this week on Blackish. This week in comedy and reality, we're going to kick things off with a little fresh off the boat talk, college, then Blackish feminism, and Noel's going to talk superstore forced hire before we both catch up with the good place, chillaxing, and round things out, of course, with the Great British Bake Off. In this episode, we'll talk about dessert week. Um, so, first up is fresh off the boat, and Noel, as soon as I started watching this, I put a little, you know, we have a, our notes, and I put a little note next to this one. Okay, well, we got to talk about this one, just for the Matrix references. Uh, that was enough to get me on board. And then we got all the messy Jesse stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode of Fresh Out of the Boat. What did you think? I really liked it as well. I think that, um, for whatever reason, the ABC comedies do a really good job of doing college episodes now. Previously, it used to be, let's go to Disney World. Mm. But now it's, let's go to college and deal with college. It's very much in that vein of Speechless or Blackish's uh, college visits of person going to college sort of has an epiphany. And I really like how they navigate that and how this episode sort of also uses it as a vehicle to explore how Lewis and Jessica were in college as well, uh, particularly Lewis's love of the topiary um, club. It's just, he's so good and pure. But <laughs> so I think the college stuff works really, really well. I think that the Matrix reference at the beginning just 
at the beginning just had to be everyone's favorite thing to do. I almost feel like it's for Constance Wu, I hope it's worth having to do another season of Fresh Off the Boat that she got to do that really solid Agent Smith stuff. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that. I wish the stuff in Hollywood worked as well as the rest of it. Um, but it was sort of an okay way to do the Y2K thing um, and get that across. But then it also just kept reminding me that they live in Florida and we're gonna we're rapidly approaching Bush v. Gore stuff. And I'm not looking forward to just a plethora of hanging chad jokes um but that's hopefully sometime in the future what else did you think about college i really liked the uh well first of all the the for the matrix thing just like i was enjoying just randall park as as morpheus (sighs) before i even we even got to the next part and it it was it was it was it was very good well done. Um, you're right. The Hollywood stuff did not work. It was not particularly interesting. Um, as much as Jenny, the actress who plays Jenny, was trying to sell all the penguin wah, wah, stuff with Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. a fake Danny DeVito, that really didn't work for me. But uh, the the notion of Jenny like running up loads of debt because she thinks she can scam people on Y2K is another that fun fits. little... Yeah, yeah, that does fit. It's a little, uh, you know, shading of her character that feels entirely appropriate. Um Though I don't know that I, yeah, I guess, I guess at this point, Evan just really steering into what he thinks he can get away with does, you know, make sense and fit for him, and certainly for Emery, the 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 the, the scenes in the um, studio audience were were you know pretty uh, spot on. But uh, the the main focus, of course, is the flashbacks. I always enjoy like college flashbacks when they do them for, for Jessica uh, and uh, in, and for Lewis and like just the, the showing their meeting was just really fun. I thought that was such a delightful way to, you know, six seasons in show how the two of them met. Yeah. Except Jessica just never remembers meeting Lewis in college or remember like, Oh they, yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. No, they just don't, they don't remember. Jessica doesn't remember that she met Lewis. It's like a little bit later that they met. Um, which is also just, again, but it's still really delightful shading that this is how they did not meet me. <laughs> um, so it's still really, really good. Um, no, like Messy Jessie's just the best. Like her whole thing about, you no, know, you can fill a water balloon with just massive amounts of shaving cream and it's much easier to lift, <laughs> um, is also just really, really lovely. Um, I think the other kind of unspoken thing about this episode that I really liked is that Lewis feels confident enough that he can go off to uh, UCLA for a little while and just leave Cattleman's in Trent's hands and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Which I just, I really, really like that. Yeah, it's fun. And the uh, it, it frees things up for them so they can do some other things without having to be as as connected to the the restaurant at all times which is nice it, it caused they lose some of the specificity of the show but yeah you know when, when the episode is as charming as this one I'll, I'll give it to them any other thoughts on this episode or shall we move on no tell me about uh blackish's uh, most recent episode since i didn't get a chance to watch this um because I didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's plenty I didn't get to this week, certainly. Um, this week, Blackish had Feminisn't, and it explored um, fem- feminism through the characters, and specifically, it's triggered, the episode's triggered when uh, Bo hears, uh, they're talking about feminism and and Bo's recent activities and in, in volunteering in a political um, women's group. In, in their area. And then when she finds out Diane does not identify as a feminist, 
along with, of course, Dre's mom, um, this just like sends her reeling. And so (laughs) then she, she gets, uh, Diane to come to her group and, and this highlights, you know, starts causing her to notice some of these things happening in her very white group, which is all white ladies and rainbow. And, uh, and, and, you know, leads to a conversation around the intersection of feminism and white liberalism and, and the difficulty women of color have in some of these spaces and be having their identity as a woman conflict with their identity as a person of color and the, the people who are there as allies uh, especially if they're white allies, not understanding or respecting that intersection. So, so it's pretty straightforward stuff, but I thought it was well done, well executed. And they use it as an excuse to have her bring some of her friends from college and cue the girlfriends theme and the cast of girlfriends comes on for the, for the episode. It was, it was delightful. It was really nice. And, and I don't have a huge connection with that show other than clearly I should based on this episode and based on how beloved it is. Um, and my affinity of course for Tracy Ellis Ross. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was such a, it's an interesting and fun way to stay very true to what blackish wants to be and is at its best around it, you know, as, as for a form of issues based, uh, comedy and sitcom making while also incorporating a, a, a reunion from a completely different show. So it was fun. Aww. That does sound fun. I'll have to carve out some time to watch that this weekend, which shouldn't be too difficult now. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And, and on the other part of the episode, uh, Andre, um, finds out that he is, uh, not <laughs> as feminist as he thought. And, uh, shocking. So he, I'm I shocked. know, right? Shocked by gambling going on in this establishment. Exactly. <laughs> so he gets a crash course from, from Junior and from Jack. On things you can't and can't say, like you know, telling the server to smile and things like that, um, and that was a really fun, it was a really fun subplot. And uh, yeah, as someone who has been rather harsh on Blackish recently, both the end of last season and the start of the season, I just haven't been as anywhere near as connected with it. This was an episode that I particularly enjoyed, so I wanted to make sure that I mentioned it. Also, Mixed Dish had a really good episode this week, Let Your Hair Down, all about uh, Bo's relationship to her hair. And, you know, I'm finding I really like having the two of them paired, mm-hmm. ha- going straight in from Mixed Dish with Tracy Ellis Ross narrating and very much exploring Bo makes me less frustrated with how Andre-centric Blackish tends to be. And of course, it helps that this episode is very centered on Rainbow, too, this episode of Blackish. But yeah, no, I, I have been noticing that as well. And really, uh, I think this is a much like my affinity for Mixed-ish in its early episodes is helping me like Blackish more this season, which is a nice like side benefit. That is a nice side benefit. That is. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened over on Superstore? I didn't get to it this week. Uh, not yet, at least. And I am very eager to hear. The episode was forced higher. Right. So Superstore's uh, continuing its really delicate approach, but really, really delicate, but really solid um, in terms of like pacing and everything of its serialized storytelling so far this season. Um, so we've got one plot in which Mateo is just kind of hanging around the store and Cheyenne and Glenn just kind of purposely do things to mess up so that Mateo can feel wanted and appreciated so he can just fix them, um, to showcase how he, you know, 
became employee of the month every month type of thing. But that quickly escalates when he just starts fixing everything in the story, even stuff that they haven't pretended to mess up. Um, so that's like a little bit of sea humor, like enjoyability, um, to kind of pad out the two a plots, which deal with both the union, um, and also with, uh, Garrett and Dina's deteriorating relationship as a result of Garrett killing her birds. Um, the union stuff centers on Jonas, uh, trying to bond with Marcus so that Jonas can get all the warehouse guys in the back to sign on to the unionization, which they've all decided to back out of. Um, it ends with Jonas chugging a gallon of ranch dressing, and oh, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever watched. Um, and I felt just so bad for Jonas. Um, but it's very good. It's got plenty of like really kind of the, the same sort of standard creepy kind of Marcus stuff that we've come to expect. Um, but it's again, like they just keep finding ways to make Marcus both horrible, but also completely just worthy of sympathy at the same time, which I really, really appreciate that line that they're able to find with that character. Um, and this, um, episode really kind of hammers that home. Uh, but then the forced hire of the episode is that the store that they um, got closed as a result of like the union and the ice stuff, um, their assistant manager joins the their Cloud Nine store, and it turns out that Dina hates this woman with the passion of a thousand sons and wants Amy to fire her. And Dina has all these sorts of ways in which that she wants to fight get this woman fired, but then turns to Garrett and tells her tells him that if you do X number of horrible things to force her to quit, I will forgive you for killing my birds. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, exactly. This is how much she hates this woman, is that Dina is willing to forgive Garrett if she gets her fired or forces her to quit or whatever. And it actually turns out that she and Garrett just completely hit it off um, immediately. And so the tension becomes Garrett of being like, no, I just, I, I'm going to date her. But it's just going to be real bad once Dina finds out, and Amy's stuck in the middle of all this. And it ends with Amy just ruining it all the more for everyone, which is really, really good. Um, so I expect this to carry through a lot more going forward. Um, and just, I'm really scared for Garrett, Kate. I'm very, very scared about what's going to happen to Garrett. Yeah, no, I, that is a, uh... Interesting choice. An interesting choice to make. This was actually Colton Dunn's uh, first episode writing for Superstar. He, of course, plays Garrett. So that's that's interesting that that it's such a Garrett-heavy uh, episode. A lot of times, um, well, I guess it's usually more directing, right, where the actors then are less in those episodes because they're filming, they're shooting it. But um, that's interesting. I will, I look forward to checking that one out. Yeah, you should. It's It's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Oh, looking forward to it. I always look forward to to, to Superstar, but in particular, a new wrinkle in the, the Garrett and Dina feud is is well worth uh, savoring and anticipating. Um, over on the Good Place, we had Chillaxing, um, and I have I have a theory about some of the stuff that goes down in this episode. Uh, but I'm gonna throw it to you first. Uh, what did you think of <laughs> basically them torturing, realizing that they need to torture Chidi because he just he, he thinks that he's right and so without the distress and trauma of trying to hide and protect and help Eleanor he's not actually motivated to help anyone in the afterlife uh, what did you think of that concept and how did they do I really like that as a concept um, in part because it just also is how I operate 
<laughs> if you give me enough of a stressful situation, I will kick things into gear and I will suddenly start teaching a, a not monk from Jacksonville ethics. Um, but yeah, I just, I really enjoyed the, how that arc kind of worked complete with watching Chidi try to drive a motorcycle. Um, it's just, <laughs> just like walking it off, just walking it off. It's just like, yeah, room. It, it was just, it was very, very good. Um, but I think like the larger focus is on how Eleanor's just ready to keep pushing him until he's about, he's like a breaking and doubting himself. Um, like very, very completely. And just watching Kristen Bell's break as Eleanor is just it was really gut-wrenching. It was very, very sad. And I appreciated that the episode allowed room for the emotional ramifications of them torturing Chidi to get what the to get what they want. Because it's very much an ends justifies the means sort of situations without them necessarily getting into the philosophical implications of that, which for this show is a little disappointing, um, since it's it's their bread and butter. But I think that they're at this point, they trust the audience enough to kind of pick up on those kinds of things. So I think that, that aspect of it is really, really good. Um, I liked the Tahani and Janet stuff, in part because it just feels like the two of them just never get stuff to do um, together. And so I really appreciated how they kind of navigated that and Janet going like, yeah, the eighth, the eighth thing on the list of what people do after they have breakups is something really embarrassing or something really terrible idea. Like dyeing your hair so purple and i just went <laughs> like bangs <laughs> bangs yeah no so it, it was it was very good and i i think more so than the previous two episodes that they allowed the room for the sort of emotional aspect of it um really helped elevate the episode for me after i sort of struggled in the first two so how did you feel about chillaxing and please tell me your theorizing um, well, first of all, that bangs, like, like changing your hair, doing something to your hair, reminded me of that line from the unicorn last week about when, when, uh, uh, Walton Goggins finds himself in a, in a, like, potential relationship with someone just because he doesn't yes. know how to just, like, stop responding to their social media things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, why did you like the picture? Well, but you could, she got a haircut, she got banged. She must be feeling very vulnerable right now. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big change. Um, and that, of course, of Made me go to Supergirl, which we'll get to, and Supergirl has bangs. Um, but um, yes, this was a this was a fun episode, and you know I, th- I think it speaks to the performance from Kristen Bell that I do not care about Eleanor Chidi as a couple. I actively do not ship it, um, but I was really feeling for her in that ep- in that moment um, when she was talking about it. I thought that was really um, a very well-performed scene and well-written as well. My current theory is that either the people that they're there to to try to, to get to improve over the course of the year are not actually the part of the experiment at all, or they are just one factor in the experiment, and the other half is going to, that, that only the judge knows about, is to see whether this attempt actually makes them worse. Oh, it makes sure. Eleanor That's worse. interesting. And, you know, because there have been several, like, they're, they're, they're getting cheaty to lie, right? She's torturing people and enjoying it. Um, Jason's been lying all over the place. Tahani is very self-centered again. Like, she's, like, she's getting pushed to be more self-centered because she's having to interact with this guy um, who, you know, who they can connect on that level of um, just her 
previous self and and the her priorities before she got to the good place um or before the show, start of the show um so i'm curious if if they're headed somewhere like that and you know again if michael's been replaced by other michael then that he could be steering her down that path but i wouldn't be surprised to see that become a part of of the conversation at some point either as like a tangential thing or as the true reveal of what the actual experiment has been the whole time <laughs> um so we'll sure. see but um it also of course puts me to mind of supernatural and uh and uh the the years and years of dean uh, of 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 dean's uh torturing in hell but uh that was that was over the summer hiatus <laughs> for for us but you know thousands of years for him um so so it was a fun episode it was, it was an interesting episode i am intrigued but not all that curious about the figure uh hand cranking his way to the good place. Uh, my current guess is that that is either regular Mike, like our Michael or evil Michael, but who knows? Uh, I'm yeah. still waiting for that shoe to drop. Do you have any theories on that? I mean, it looks like death to me, but I don't yeah. know why death would be coming here because yeah, this makes sense. Um, so yeah, no, I have, I don't know. I'm sure someone out there has already guessed it correctly, but I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, someone out there definitely has guessed it correctly, but I don't know. Yeah, I didn't it didn't even occur to me that it could be death because I just I just so quickly assumed, oh well, they're just trying to cloak and shield their identity of this person. Yeah. Uh but yeah, no, maybe it is death. And and they're and they're gonna take off the robe and it'll be some actor we recognize and that's why they didn't use them there. Um Or they haven't cast it yet, but they probably have. Yeah. And they just wanna, you know, tie into that you know that imagery. So yeah, that's a, it's a good idea. Maybe it's Blake Bortles. Maybe it is Blake Bortles. He just really wants to meet Jason Mendoza. Yeah, and you know how happy that would make Jason, and that would in turn make all of us happy. <sighs> I was really disappointed when the rock he threw was not Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would have been sad. <laughs> that would have been you know because because then he'd have to get poofed away again. And That's I don't know true. If, if he could take that. Yeah, Jason could take that. Um, our our last episode for our week in comedy and reality is The Great British Bake Off and Dessert Week. So this was uh, meringue cake, which of course always makes me think of uh, the second Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets opening. Um, and then they had to make the um, Vereens at, for the technical. And then for the final, they had to make the bomb. Uh, which is uh, like a celebratory bomb. So kind of like an entremet um, where, where it's like a spherical or semi-spherical dessert with la- at least one baked element. So a layer of sponge of some sort and then mousse or ice cream or just different tiers and layers of dessertness <laughs> within it. Um, how did this episode work for you? Did it wash some of the bad taste of wearing 20s out of your mouth? Um, I mean, it just kind of felt a little flat, I think, which um, is mm-hmm. sort of where I am with the show in general, is that it's just kind of flat. I saw your headline for um, for the festivals episode, so I'm sort of optimistic about that. I did not read the review yet, um, but I saw the headline. So I'm anticipating, hopefully, sort of a little bit of a rise. But yeah, desserts was just a little bit of a flat thing for me, in part because Everything just generally felt kind of safe from a challenge level, I think, um, in terms of, all right, meringue cakes. The Vereens looked challenging, but at the same time felt really clear on what needed to be done, apart from just getting the size of the layers right um, for it. 
Um, and then I, I feel like you should have a bomb ready when you go on GB um, on Bake Off at this point. Because um, you should either be expected to make one or you should just make one as a showstopper anyway. Because um, they're always really delightful. But I also think that generally everyone sort of did okay. Um, apart from just Priya just bombing that aha um, technical. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that the... Uh... Yeah, I, I got this was another frustrating episode for me because I thought that the bakers did fine, but again, the judging didn't match what we right. saw for me yes. at least. Like Priya, it was like, did they really seriously eliminate Priya because Prue doesn't like the color of her blueberry mousse? Because like that really feels like that was enough to get her eliminated. Which if nobody else had any mistakes, fair enough. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, um, and I think that's super fair. I think it just basically boils down to the fact is that they realized they needed to cut Priya loose and instead of doing it last week um they did it this week um because as much as I want uh, have wanted to like Priya she's always she's been treading water really kind of consistently um so but also like you were saying read the blueberry is that it didn't look bad it looked good like I don't I didn't understand even that as a critique of like no that Blueberry mousse looks that blueberry mousse looks like blueberry mousse. I don't understand what the problem is right now. That's what it looks like. <laughs> what else would blueberry mousse look like? Right. I yeah. hope it looks like that. Yeah. So um, I liked a lot of these meringues. I thought they were really pretty. Um, I also thought, like it, it. I'm starting to have a problem. As much as I have enjoyed Prue this season, I'm mm-hmm. starting to have a problem with the judging of her and Paul because I think they feed some of each other's worst instincts um, about the notion of there being a correct way to be a baker mm, and okay. like, and being too similar in some of their, you know, uh, and so this, I like, Oh, well you don't make blue foods. It's like, yeah. or for Phil getting eliminated because his stuff looks too homey uh, in the home baking competition, you know, or Helena being too spooky, you know, like there's, We'll see how the rest of the season goes, but there's a I I'm starting to to get uncomfortable with some of the comments and and it's and it's not any one thing. It's the culmin like the culmination of them over the season. But you know, the, it's another episode where they just wanted to surprise everyone, so they're like, Well, it's definitely basically it's definitely gotta be Priya. Oh, it's all gonna come down to the showstopper. Oh, Priya did a good job with the showstopper. Crap. <laughs> Well, it's Priya, <laughs> which is a less than satisfying way to do it. For me, the technical actually I thought was too easy um, mm-hmm. and I thought didn't have enough of a challenge to it. Like like each of the things, it just seemed really straightforward. Like each of the steps was very straightforward. It was a matter of just don't screw it up as opposed to having particular instincts about how to do it. It was just like, can you make a compote? Anyone can make a compote. Right. And and then it was it it was the the panna cotta, which mm-hmm. seemed like it was very straightforward, just you had to make sure to chill it enough. Yeah. And then That's what most of it amounted to was allowing things to set and chill. Yeah. I love that little moment of all the guys by the fridge talking discussing and pondering the the, the cooling rates of gelatin or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Sandy. It was it was delightful. Um but it, it there wasn't as much like the whole point of the technical round is that it's supposed to show the baker's instincts and experience. And for me, there's nothing in the Vereen 
that tested their instincts. It was just, can you do this really tidily? Can you do this really neatly? And more and more, it feels like this season and the the judging for this season is very focused on, is it pretty? Is it neat? And... That's obviously, you know, that's part of it. That needs to be part of the, the you know, how they dif- differentiate between the different people. But I feel like it's starting to be overweighed. Um, and, and yes, it was nice. They look beautiful. Ellis's in particular look gorgeous. Um, but that, the whole point of the technical, again, it's not just can you create even layers of things. It's how much do you understand the theory behind baking and... If you are handed a recipe that you have no idea how it goes, can you, with because of your instincts and because of your experience, can you figure it out? This there was nothing here that tests that, so it just I was I was thrown by it. And then the bombs were pretty. The bombs were pretty. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. That's all and I got for the bombs. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to reconcile a lot of that because they always in the judges' talking head sections, they're always like, "But it also has to taste delicious." And but then, like you're saying, a lot of emphasis seems to sometimes be falling on how it looks, um, which is at odds with what they're recording. I just they're just in a weird productions point in which nothing with their editing together makes sense. Yeah. And spoiler alert, guys, next week's episode is really good. <laughs> Festival week. Uh, I wrote about it over at, um, at, at the AV Club. And the thing that really it really highlighted for me is that. The next episode, in my opinion, and I look forward to talking about this with you next week, Noel, um, really is like almost the platonic ideal of what a Bake Off episode should be, certainly at season 10. And it gets so many things right that these other recent episodes have not, that it kind of, it underscored what some of the problems of the season have been for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, I'm probably overhyping it for you. I'm most certainly, like, definitely overhyping it for you. So keep those expectations lower. But okay. um but I mean, yeah, but it was, it was, I was really surprised, like, cause I went into it expecting like, you know, low expectations, pleasantly surprised. And then as I wrote about it, the grade that we have to give, you know, over at EV Club, um, just kept raising the more I typed about it and started and thought about it and, and went back and forth. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious what you think about festivals week, but for now, Let's take a break, listen to some more music, and we'll come back with our week in genre and drama, or, you know, in other words, the CW premiere week, except for Nancy Drew. We'll be right back after this. That was 
Flash, of course, by Queen. Um, and featured but, but about another Flash. <laughs> a different Flash, but we don't care. Uh, featured beautifully in the Flash premiere this week. Uh, we're going to talk about our week in, in genre drama. And while we watch just some other things, we're just going to focus on the CW um, Arrowverse and Arrowverse tangential premieres. And uh, we're going to kick things off with the Batwoman pilot, Supergirl, Event Horizon, then The Flash, Into the Void, and we'll round things out with Black Lightning. The Book of Occupation, Chapter 1, Birth of Blackbird. So first up is Batwoman. And you, Noel, and also other friends of the show had warned me that this is was bad. <laughs> and it was. It was a bad premiere. It was not a good episode of, of TV. But because I went in with such lowered expectations, I actually had a lot of fun <laughs> with the Batwoman premiere. Mm-hmm. And be- I, sure. I was freed of any expectations. So I could just in like go like, yep, that's bad to all the things that are really grown worthy and not good. And really in- appreciate and enjoy the charms that are there in the show. And there are many. So I'm actually somewhat encouraged because I've had like months of of advanced warning to lower my expectations for this one well tell me about some of those charms um before we like kind of like yeah so i'm curious about what what you found particularly charming because i mean i've been sitting with this for i don't know like two and a half months now um and i didn't go back and rewatch it to just before we discussed it so i'm actually curious about (laughs) given your altered expectation state um, what, what particularly stood out to you as charming or what, what things did you find to enjoy in the premiere? Which is Noel's very polite way of saying, there are none. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> no, I thought, I think that, uh, the baddie Alice works, even though it's grown worthy, yes. the reveal, but I'm glad that they reveal the, like the, at the end of the episode, the, there's a twist with her um, that I'll keep vague in case people are not caught up yet. Um, I'm glad that they revealed that in the pilot. It was like, it became very clear what the deal was partway through the episode. Um, and I was expecting them to drag it out, you know, like some other shows in the Arrowverse would have done in their first season. Um, and instead they just go for it. And I appreciate that. I also appreciate that so far it doesn't appear Arkham Asylum is a big part of that, which given how unsuccessful that portion of the crossover or the backdoor pilot was for me, um, I was very happy <laughs> to have not be in the episode. Um, I like the stuff with uh, Luke, um, who, right? The Lucius stand-in. I liked some of the... Oh, uh, well, his son. Yeah. Oh, his son? Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I liked the Batcave. I liked the um, just how campy and silly a lot of it is. I think that tone works well for this. I think Ruby Rose does a pretty good job with what she's given, um, even if some of some of it is absolutely preposterous. And um, yeah, it's just like, like sequences like the absolutely ridiculous diving underwater and into freezing water handcuffed and having to escape like it's so stupid and ridiculous but you're also talking to someone who grew up on a steady diet of xena and hercules on saturdays i have a lot of space in my heart for cheesy ridiculous but fun if occasionally self-serious tv and that's where this one sat for me yeah well i mean handcuffs and freezing water i mean that's also just classic batman stuff Mm -hmm. um so I'm just that that I'm okay with. Um, I do think that 
Rachel um, Scarston as Alice um, is probably the highlight of the episode. And we should note that Scarston was in the uh, Birds of Prey, um, orig- the Birds of Prey series back on a while way back. Uh, is that WB played, um, or is that C- early Lance. CW? Yeah. No, no, it was WB. It was WB, mm-hmm. um, which is also now part of the crossover. And it's just so good. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think that that's probably arguably, again, like the best part of it, um, of the series. She's tapped into sort of what makes Alice as a character kind of menacing um, in that she's sort of like a Joker-esque sort of figure within the Batwoman canon, but there's more sort of emotional depth there than what you typically get with the Joker um, or motivation, I should say, than you typically get with the Joker. And that's good. And like you said, like the reveal, which is very obvious, A, from like halfway through the episode, or B, if you've read the comics, is you already know it going in. Um, there's there's plenty for them to mine there. And I'm eager to see sort of if they're able to do any of that. Um, I think Ruby Rose is okay in it. I just think that the show doesn't know what to do with her yet. And mm-hmm. she with the show. There's definitely a desire to really... F- capture her capture roses like visage in a way that i feel like wants to be really heroic but everything just doesn't quite gel just yet um which maybe works again because of doing this kind of an origin story which still feels weird to me after giving us the backdoor pilot when she's sort of established um Mm -hmm. but i think that that still works fine i just everything else about it just it's just really flat and dull. Like Gotham just doesn't feel developed. The idea that people would go watch a silent mask, mask of silent Zorro film in the cold, um, as a Gotham's on the rise again, sort of thing is just really, really ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I, I think that there's, there's room to grow, but it's just a really flat kind of premiere. So, um, I'm still interested in seeing like where this can go since I'm, committing myself at the very least to watching the first half of all the Arrowverse shows this season. Damn you, crossover. (laughs) Damn you. Um, But yeah, so, but I also want this show to be good. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it improves and quickly. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, I also think, you know, in a week when the Supreme Court was hearing uh, cases about can you fire people for being gay? I think the the storyline in here, the bit of backstory about about Kate getting kicked out of her of her training school because she won't say that she's not gay, is uh, is is timely, depressingly timely still, yes. and uh, an important thing to be included, not just in serious dramas or comedies, but just like in a superhero show like this on the CW, like. This kind of representation should be everywhere in all the different kinds of media that we have. So I appreciate that it is an integral part for her backstory and and just baked into the premise. Yeah. Um, we should also note that um, coming up in future episodes, uh, speaking of that, um, Rachel Maddow is doing the voice of Vesper Fairchild. Oh, yeah. She was in the premiere, too. Yeah. 
Oh, was she? Okay, I miss. I'm. They may. They may have like looped that in because I don't remember her being in the premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the pilot I watched. Um. So no, that's good to know. Um. As like a media personality and like gossip and basically doing Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. uh, as done by Rachel Maddow. And I'm just like, I'm so here for that idea and concept. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun, <laughs> and she's clearly having a blast doing it too. That's nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's fun. Um, Over on Supergirl, we had Event Horizon and the long-awaited reveal um, that is stupid, but still we had to do it, of, um, of, of, well, of Kara telling Lena that she's Supergirl. I thought the way that they did it was really effective and worked really well. Um, I don't like where they're going so far with Lena's, like, tiptoeing towards evil, but I... I don't, I don't know. Right now, at least, I feel like they're going to walk it back. That's the sense I get. Um, so, whereas if she actually was okay in this episode, uh, I would not trust it because I would think that they were going to wait till later in the season to have her flip. You know what I mean? So, because they're playing mm-hmm. up the doom and gloom and I'll never forgive Kara and all these things, I actually am more optimistic that they aren't going to blow up their show in that way. Um, but... Yeah, I, I thought that this episode was interesting, and there's some stuff here I like, and there's a lot of really stupid stuff, but mostly Supergirl and and Jean Jones like punched a, a T Rex in the face a bunch, so that's kind of fun. That almost ate Kate Micucci, so yeah, you need to punch that T Rex in the face. Save Kate Micucci for all of us, not just for her. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, no, so that scene in which um, Kara comes clean, I think is really great in no small part because of how very deep in both of those actors are in that scene. Um, Benoist is just selling the, like, the turmoil um, and the crying and all of that and, like, the guilt um, of all of that and the fact that she recognizes she's done wrong and just feels really terrible that she's done it plays really really wonderfully and then just watching katie mcgrath very subtly like try to convey how lena is a processing this and b adjusting all of her plans um works really really well as well and then to have her deliver that really terrible speech of introduction Mm -hmm. um that is a poorly delivered but b also very poorly written to cover for the fact that she was going to reveal out Kara, uh, Kara as Supergirl, I thought was also just really, really good consistency in terms of direction and acting of how all that played out. So that scene for me is generally worth the rest of the episode, in, in, including the punching of the T-Rex. Um, but I do agree that there's just a lot of other sort of setup stuff or a lot of like very tired um, critiques of click journalism that I've like, as feels like five years too late for this kind of thing. Um, But also for a show that really went real hard on politics last season and did really, really well by it. Tackling journalism seems really safe and um, just kind of, it just doesn't feel like there's enough bite there. It just feels like a really safe thing to do. Um, when last season really did a good job of navigating like false flag operations, immigration, and all this sort of thing to tell a really coherent and pointed narrative. Um, I'm hoping I'm wrong, but the journalism aspect of it just felt really, really flat and just really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
What do you like uh, about, what do you think of, you know, what we get with James's sister and him resigning and like starting to head towards him taking off? Right. Which is fine. Like, that's what I feel like even more so than anything, like doing this journalism um, subplot is about that is to like provide a way to rebalance Kara's uh, secret identity a little bit and, but also help get Makad Brooks out of the show, (laughs) Um, which is fine that's all well and good um it just just felt kind of um yeah it just it just didn't work and makes me nervous about going forward um i do appreciate that the show is almost behaving as if his sister has been on the show the entire time yeah (laughs) (laughs) as opposed to a character who was introduced in like the last three to four episodes of the previous season and it's like nope she's been here since day one everyone and it's like she hasn't though (laughs) but we're gonna we're just gonna pretend that she okay (laughs) Uh, i was a little uh like raising an eyebrow at like you'll never work in journalism ever again like no we won't work in journalism for three years until the end of my contract and then having been the editor of a major paper and having a Pulitzer and these other things is going to help you get back in. Maybe not, it's going to take a while to regain your place, maybe amongst the, like the national rankings of journalists and all of that. But no, that's not how, that's not how it works. Show. Um, they were stretching that a bit yeah. too much. Now, if it's, they can resign, but then they won't be paid and they can't work in journalism for three years. That's a different conversation. Um, but that's not something that, they actually went to because they don't want you thinking about money too much because um, they have to think about how yeah. all of them afford all of the things. Uh, what did you think of Supergirl's new look? When she's just said pants, I was I was very, very happy. I, I like the, <laughs> I like the new outfit. Um, like I've liked it since they sort of like photos of it started to leak out. And then after they released the first photo, um, no, I really like the new outfit. I think it looks generally really good. Um, I like the dark blue of it all. Um, so I generally think it looks pretty solid. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's fun. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, all of these characters have out, have like their superhero outfit, you know, like redos every year so they can sell new toys. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's about time we got some pants. Why not? I also enjoyed the through line about the How do you too. all change so fast? <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> I don't understand that. Oh, oh, that was that was also like the best bit was her rushing in and being like, how do you all get changed so fast? And it's like, well, Kara now has like nano machine suit mm-hmm. um, that activates whenever she takes her glasses off, which feels like a terrible idea. Whenever <laughs> she whips her glasses off. Thank you very much. Whips her glasses off. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so hopefully they don't, they don't get knocked off of her face. Maybe yeah, her fingerprint. Just, I, yeah, just, don't think about it. <laughs> I, don't think about it too hard. No, we'll stop thinking about it so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that, that bit was really good. Because I had questions about James getting done in his yeah. outfit so fast. Yeah, I concur. I concur. Because that's that like a whole thing. That's a yeah. whole thing. Uh, what do you think of the Jean Jones, like, uh, white Martian, baddie, brother thing? Uh, it's fine. I'm, like, withholding judgment at okay. this point. It's just, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, like, super duper excited about it, um, but... It's just more crossover setup. Yeah, it is, and that's kind of how I feel about it. It's just, like, it's a lot of crossover setup. Um, we don't have a, like, real clear, like, 
alternate big bad yet apart from like Lena, but I agree with you in that they're going to flip her. Um, but like Leviathan hasn't really come to the forefront just yet. Um, or has it? Mm. Um, <laughs> so we'll, I'm waiting for more stuff because since, especially since the woman who plays Eve has been promoted to a series regular this year, um, I'm waiting to see what more they have in store for that. Okay. Um, let's go over to the flash and just to have a yeah. moment for, the queen of it all and how deliciously well executed that moment was uh, with Cisco. I was like, I've been, I've been saving this song for just the right minute. And then like, Iris tries to give him crap on. He's like, come on, come on, black hole. She's like, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, it was just so delightful. Uh, I, there was a lot for me to, to like about this flash mirror and, and really centering it on still on grief and the loss of Nora, I think was really smart and worked really well. Yeah, it did. For someone who didn't really watch the back half of season five, like a few episodes, um, I thought that they did a nice job of handling that and showing the different ways in which that's influencing Iris and Barry's behaviors. Um, and also the the refusal to really fully accept this concept that she's gone, but we're going to get her back kind of thing, you know, because time travel, um, <laughs> which, eh, um, I still appreciated how they were like making sure that that was getting incorporated into things. Um, I just, yeah. So I think that all generally worked really, really well. I think though, legitimately my favorite bit, I, I think the queen song is good, but Kate, I think my favorite bit was Iris and Joe having match matching fedoras. And I'm just here for that all day. I'm just here for it. They just have matching fedoras now, and I don't want it to ever stop. Um I like how we're just pretending we're just like glazing right past the no vibe thing and just not examining it because it doesn't make any sense with any character motivations and uh, it's all about the actor wanting to not be on the show as much. So, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the way that we traipsed right past that in this episode. Um, and more time with Killer Frost and really exploring Killer Frost's identity and personality and life, I think it was interesting and promises, um, some, some neat development this season. Yeah. And I'll, I'm curious to see what they do with that, uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I think it'll hopefully be pretty good. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um I don't know. We'll see if it's enough to keep me watching. Um I do just wish m the actor who played Mohindo and Heroes would just stop getting cast in roles in which he has to do horrible experiments on himself. It's just not good. <laughs> it's yeah, I was just like, "Oh, wow. This isn't going to go well." Yeah. At least you're not a love interest for Caitlyn cuz I usually that's what happens. Um so there is that Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. I appreciated them mentioning Ronnie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, okay, any other thoughts on Flash? Or if not, let's go to Black Lightning. Well, I do appreciate that um, uh, the, their guy who is going to be part of like their supercomputer is going to be around for at least four to six weeks, uh, <laughs> which will not at all be helpful in the impending crisis. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, uh, okay, so over on Black Lightning, we had the Book of Occupation, Chapter 1, Birth of Blackbird. Um, and for me, this was, I thought this was a strong premiere, and it was just also it was like, they're doing such a different thing over on Black Lightning than any of the other superhero shows on CW. And it's just so much better what they're doing. Um, that is just, it really stood out to me. I thought the, this episode, they're like, yeah, no, we're going to talk about the, the camps on the border. Yes. We're going to talk about 
government overreach and we're going to talk about invasions of privacy and all these other things that because that's the kind of show we are i appreciate that yeah i it's the standout aspect of the of the episode is this concept of we're going to address this head on um we're going to like literally talk about it um and it's gonna it's gonna work really really well um and it does like it works very well so i was generally really happy that with it i liked the tobias like makeup as his immortality is starting to ebb um or his lack of aging (laughs) is starting to ebb and just the the show's doing a good job of making the markovian threat feel like a thing as opposed to just this amorphous justification for a number of other things happening um like the way in which everyone feels kind of cracked down upon i think helps sell that idea yeah definitely the uh yeah because it's just sort of a name right just a thing that they throw out there but because the actors are so good and they really sell the gravitas of it you know it you, you can feel that threat which is good i did not expect them to kill that sweetie, whose name I don't remember, tr- truth-telling mutant guy, uh, that that happened quick, but believably. Isa? Yeah. Isa, I think. Um, no, that did happen really quick, but also, like, that's also a smart narrative move of <laughs> eliminating that character, since it's too, too many different ways and that character can be used to solve plot problems. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate them willing to, like, find ways to um, make sure that they... St- stick to avoiding those kinds of quick outs yeah and really underscoring you know he's not a good guy yeah yeah yeah. uh which i don't feel like needed underscoring but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah um within the rest of the episode i thought the tech we were seeing from gamby was interesting i like that they like the 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 morphing like generated fake identity Right for Jennifer, so she can go out. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, I liked the the build up of this like a caravan sort of 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 people. It, it means mm-hmm. a lot of like refugee and prison break kind of imagery there, um, going across like this whole this hole in the in the barrier. Uh, I, th- I thought that was all very effective. I like this like concept of they're shelving thunder for now. So they're doing blackbird to inspire the people of Freeland in a, just a different way. I think there, there's a lot of really interesting setup here. There is. And I think whenever um, Jefferson gets out and the reaction of Freeland to black lightning's departure and then his possible in inevitable return, I think will also create a really good sort of story arc. For this show to explore. Um, how long do you think they're going to have. Uh, our Thunder slash Blackbird. Outside the dome. Um. Oh like an episode. <laughs> I, I yeah, expect like yeah. an episode. Maybe two. But you know they could do a whole mm-hmm. a separate arc. With her finding out some other information. Yeah. You know like who knows. But I expect I expect just only a few more episodes. Before Jefferson breaks out. Or is released. I mean he has to because. He's in the crossover, so he has to break out eventually. Yeah, yeah, but we, we it's it's only October. We got some time, um, but yeah. the like using this like his him being like quarantined, held captive, whatever you want to think about it, um, as an opportunity to grow his powers, I think is really interesting and mm-hmm. and a neat way to do yeah. it. Yeah, 
um, to, to limit the scope of what he, you know, to push, push him into an unusual situation so that he's got nothing else to do and starts playing with his abilities. Um, and also to put a distinct cap on what he's able to do because he's so restricted. Yeah, no, it's a good narrative justification for things. Even with, even after you lose the collar, mm-hmm. um, it's, no, it's, it's really smart of the show to do that. I agree. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited for the rest of the season. Over, I mean, for, for all of these, I'm sure I will enjoy them, but for Black Lightning, I'm actively excited. I also was very excited, you know, that they're going to be in the, the crossover now, uh, the, 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 at least some of the cast, <laughs> the heroes, at least, uh, Black Lightning is part of the crossover, and that is terrific to see. Hopefully people will actually check it out now, because I know people who watch the CW superhero shows and none of them watch Black Lightning. That's too bad, because it's really good. <laughs> it is. It is really good. Um, well, on that, Note, what wins your week in TV? And and I put comedy and genre and reality all together here at the end of both segments because, you know, there's we watched a lot of TV this week, but not enough to have two weeks, two picks, I think. Oh, sure. Um, I think I mm, good place this week for chillaxing. I just really, really enjoyed it and it felt like kind of a return to form for the show mm-hmm. uh, this season. What about you? Um, well, shout out to Stumptown for a fun episode and... Excellent use of Donald Logue, as always. Whenever he pops up on my TV, I'm happy. Um, and I'm going to give... I'm torn, because I did really like that Blackish mixed dish back-to-back. And Good Place was very good. But I also really liked Black Lightning. Um, I will give it to... I'll give it to Good Place as well. Yeah. That sounds... That feels right. Let's do that. <laughs> now we'll take a break and listen to a trailer and come back with... Well, interesting. We'll see if the trailer is in English. Hopefully it's an English tra- trailer. And <laughs> come back with our season spotlight on season one of Netflix's Dark. We'll be right back after this. Maybe this time Maybe this time I'll outwit my past I throw away That was, hopefully, a trailer for Netflix's Dark, or season one of Netflix's Dark. And if it wasn't a trailer, it was the piece of music that is very prominently featured in the finale of season one and is a delightful choice. Um, but anyways, that's uh, future Kate's problem. For right now, we're going to be talking about season one of of this genre show on Netflix. Um, Noel, how would you describe Dark? Um, I would describe it as a time-traveling procedural in which no one understands what time travel is, and also existential dread about time travel is how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it, is like it's very much bound up in sort of a lot of existential dread and a lot of time travel 
but also a lot of like operatics kind of soap melodrama type of stuff given like its heavy emphasis on domestic on domestic spaces and very particularly on like family spaces as well um and the fact that the problems that this town are experiencing stretched generations and started generations ago um i think it also makes it feel very melodramatic but in really good ways so i think it really bounces around a number of genres but it tends to use all of those genres to great effect which i think is probably one of its core strengths i think its other core strength is just also being deeply deeply german um (laughs) when i i'll just get this out of the way now um what's her name doing a play that sounded like some sort of pinter or beckett-esque sort of production of something and her teacher going Yes, I thought it was important that the play go on to give people something to take their minds off all the missing children. And I went, this sounds <laughs> like a really are. depressing play. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, why is that the way that people will feel better about the missing children? You're not doing a farce. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just like, oh, this is so very deeply German. Um, in that stereotypical concept of what German is. Um, I just went, oh yeah, that's, that, 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 that's, that's on target. I think that there's also plenty of other stuff to dig into. Um, but how did you, how would you describe this then to people? Um, I would say it is a dense and like you said, very emotional look at cycles of pain and grief Mm -hmm. that over time, kind of devolves into sci-fi nonsense while also yes still being that um so it's it's an interesting blend um and based on i looked at some like explainers to see if uh, like what i missed uh and i missed a few things but also i got a glimpses of some of the things that happened in season two i don't know that this show is a show for me in season two um, okay because some of the things it does that i just like no no that's stupid and it's like there are certain things, listeners, that happen in dark where either you'll go like, "That's awesome!" Oh, of course! Oh, it's so cool! Or you go like, "That's stupid, though." But that doesn't make any sense. And if you are the person who's likely to have that second reaction, this is not a show for you. <laughs> um, and if you are willing to just go with it and have fun, and or really like meet the show with well, like what fun. it's trying to do, <laughs> yeah, I know fun is maybe not the right word, but but just you know embrace like the so like there's just some really you have to be a fan of closed loop paradox time travel. paradox time travel and if you are not because there's all these different flavors of time travel right if you are not a fan of closed loop parallel uh uh paradox creating time travels that's like it that's the the that concept of time travel is like someone from the future tells somebody how to invent a thing but the reason they know how to invent it is because when they were growing up 
they the other person had already seen it, had already invented it, and so they learned about it in school. But the only reason they learned about it in school is because that person traveled back in time and told the person how to, you know, that kind of a thing, where there actually is no originator of a piece of technology or whatever, you know, we want the stand-in to be. That is, that's closed loop um, time travel. And uh, for me, I get very frustrated at that because I want there to, I want it to make sense. I want there it to have come from somewhere, not just kind of willed itself into existence. Um so I find some elements of the show frustrating on that level, but I also think that the performances are really good for a lot of the a lot of the show and characters like our mysterious clockmaker guy, right? He he just completely sells some of those moments just through his performance, just being like, "Huh? Yes. I guess that uh, uh I never made it." Or it's it's, it's, it's a paradox. It's uh, confusing and doesn't really make any sense. Okay. Moving on. And I, and I just like go right with him. Um, so, so for me, it's, yeah, it's just, a, it, it's a combination of these different factors that I find very interesting, but in, in also maybe just, it, it's sort it's just a kind of show that you have to watch and you have to watch closely, um, or you will be completely lost. And, you know, it, it's interesting talking about the show on the same weekend that Breaking Bad is back, at least for the, the, the movie. And, that was the kind of show that Breaking Bad was. We're just completely engulfing. Um, and this is in, in such a different way. But where you want to actively sit and engage with it and watch it in a way that I rarely do at this point with most TV because I'm also working at the same time. I'm I'm doing laundry. I'm making food. I'm, I'm doing invoicing. I'm work, you know, constantly working. And so I... To, to actually sit down and carve out time to give a show my complete attention is a very, very rare thing for me. And so that – and this show demands it. And so that's an interesting experience for me to have as a TV viewer at this point. And, uh, yeah, it's it, – it, there aren't I, – I feel like that's not Netflix, Netflix's model, you know? But this show demands it. Huh. It, I, mean, I think also one of the strong things to recommend it is the fact that it is renewed for three season, a third season, and then it's ending. There's a finite end date. It is definitely ending. Um, but yeah, that's it's just such a different way to experience TV for me at this point. Yeah, and I think um, that the need to pay attention to it is something that only grows, uh, which I really appreciate, is that it's not a show that is immediately complex complex like i did the first few episodes um while i was working and it was generally fine and we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute um and then i did had to do the rest of it while not doing anything else because it didn't work i was just like wait hang on wait who What's is happening that again wait no who what time period? And, and a lot of it boiled a lot of it boiled down to wait, who is that in this time period versus who is that in this time period? And while the show's normally pretty good at keeping those things generally pretty clear, I feel like, I was also just like, I need name tags just all the time. Right now. <laughs> yes. Um so I know. Yeah. <laughs> all and, and, of them very and not clearly. Just because of like who is who in because di- like, it, it's set in different time periods and you follow characters who are like kids in the 80s and now it's 2019 and they're adults or they're old like elderly you know in their in their 80s in yeah the current day and we then we event like we start with two time periods by the end of the season there are three or four time periods and so it's three. not just four, okay, yeah. which character 
is this actor playing? It's also, there's a lot of actors, and they all have German names, and I don't remember who's who. <laughs> um, so even within the time yeah. periods, it's like, wait, which which tall white boy are you? Um, and in, in the, similar to a Game of Thrones, which bearded person are you? Um, so it took me a while to just kind of get the one set of characters straight, let alone all the time periods. Right, and... To the show's credit is, again, like, you can generally navigate it pretty well, but I also want to really highlight how really immaculately cast this this show is. Um, You mentioned it a little bit, but just even on, like, a degree of we're going to find people who look like these people um, from depending on age type of thing of, like, you can see the progression of aging and everything click into place really, really nicely across many of these actors and that just takes an immense amount of like time from like a casting perspective to do that but it's also the care in which that they took the care to do that especially like i think about like uh particularly the actors who all play um helge doppler um i think just work really really well but generally i think across the board everyone is cast in a way that i think makes sense on a whatchamacallit, on a facial level and then just also on just posture level and those kind of differences that happen over time. I think it just works really, really well. And I really appreciate the fact that they took the time to do that. Um, yeah. Also, and I will Hannah? Very quickly to, yeah. Yes. Hannah is also really, really well cast across the, her various actors. Um, so, And I do want to mention, you mentioned the watchmaker who... Uh, the clockmaker, whose name is just so good, Kate. His name is H.G. Tanhouse, mm-hmm. um, which very much feels like an H.G. Wells reference, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, but then also Tanhouse immediately made me think of Tanhauser Gate, which is a throwaway line from Blade Runner. Um, and I just went, oh, I see you, show. And we're going to talk, I also want to talk about like the show's sort of Noah Holliness of it all, because it's there. Um, but I think one of the things I do want to ask you about, because I texted you when I first started this, was I'm going to break my rule and watch a live live action show dubbed. Um, and I did that for a little while and then I stopped, um, (laughs) because the dub is very bad. Um, the English dub anyway is very bad. Um, and for a couple of reasons, um, first is that it's just, it's not particularly good. Um, but also, and this is something that I kind of kept in mind and wanted to really have in my head, um, while I was watching it is that as Americans, we don't have a huge relationship with dubbed live action stuff. Um, unless you watch like a bunch of imported martial arts films. Um, um, we just, as a culture, don't really participate in dubbing live action type stuff. Um, we're totally okay with it with animation. To We start kids off with dubbed animation programs all the time. Um, so it was just one of those things of like wrapping my brain around the synchronization not working at all, but also just vocal performances not matching acting performances and just that whole sort of deal was deeply, deeply distracting. Um, and I really struggled with it, which is the other reason why I had to just dedicate myself to the show is because the dub just didn't work for me. Um, you watched some of the dub. How much did you watch and did it work for you in any way, shape or form? 
I watched most of it dubbed because I had to work. Okay. And it's mm-hmm. bad. And so I made sure that when I was finishing the season that I watched as much of the last episode as I could um, with the original. And it was much, much better. <laughs> much, much, much better. I was like, yeah. I can't have seen none of the actual like heard the actual vocal performances for these actors and wouldn't you know it their voices are a much better match with the show than the dubbing dubbing is bad guys um i mean it serves a purpose right like i get why they have it but it's not good yes. <laughs> and um yeah it just it, it's like i'm sure those actors are doing their best they're trying but it's it's just it's just takes you out of it a bit and um I always I always enjoy the dubbing versus the subbing because I had the sub and dub on, so I could see the differences. Um, but then if I needed to look down and keep working on something, I could do that without having to pa- keep pausing the show, which is why I did the the dub. But um, yeah, it really, you know, you can because you look up and you see what are terrific performances. I think um, from a lot of the cast, yes. and then you hear these rather flat line deliveries are just like, they don't, they just don't match um, what the people are giving. And, you know, I, d- I also don't envy the actors who get brought in to just like a room to just record no. probably just their lines, not even like with the other actors, each line separate, right. you know? Yeah. So of course it's not going to like compare, but no, it's, 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 it's not good. <laughs> if I, if I was just watching the show for fun, or, you know, on my own, I would definitely not watch the dub um, as because we were on a deadline of when to finish it. I was like, well, I don't have eight hours, d- 10 hours this week just to do this and nothing else. So we're just going to do a worst <laughs> of two evils here and, and power through. But no, it's not good. Yeah. Um, after I stopped, um, I ended up like having to set up a two screen sort of thing with my Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, fire tablet in front of my computer workstation at home and just had like it was easier for me to glance down at the subtitles and keep working than like turn my head and look at my laptop um, which is what I was trying to do and it didn't work at all but yeah when I flipped I decided to like flip back for a really emotional moment um, when um, Katharina is yelling at Martha about Martha going out and staying in the play um, which is a great scene because like it's just really powerful and I just went I wonder how the dub sounds in that. And I played it and I just went, none of this matches the bodily performances of these actors. And I feel very bad for everyone involved. Um, It was interesting doing that because I haven't done that with a dub. Because I almost never do that. You know, watch a dub when I could watch, you know, I live action. I can't think of another time when I have done that. Um, Barring just like for because of the language abilities of the people I'm watching things with. Um, and it really very quickly in my brain, I was like separating them out as two entirely different things, you know, um, it, and which really helped to, so that I felt like I was getting the, the semblance of what the actual performance was from the, from the actors mm-hmm. in the thing versus like, okay, and this is what they're saying. The, and you know, a, a, an approximation of the emotion, but the actual emotion is what I'm seeing. Um, and <laughs> so it was, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. What else stood out to you about dark? I mean, we've talked in like big generalities, I think about the show, um, because experiencing it, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, I do want to discuss, though, like, um, sort of like the show's desire to both initially seem like it wants you to really get what it's doing. Um, and then just outright explaining itself by the end. But like in the literature class, there's a big discussion about dualism and symmetry and 33s and all this sort of stuff of like, see, this is what we're doing, everyone. Did you catch it? Type of stuff, <laughs> uh, which I normally really, really hate. Um, and I didn't hate it as much here. And I think a lot of that just gets chalked up to the fact that it isn't overpowering in that sense. Um or as pervasive because so much of it is driven so much of the rest of the show feels really driven by characters in a way that it it feels shoehorned in but I can always just kind of forget about it and that was how I kind of ended up with that um mm-hmm. even like her uh, Martha's play also kind of is very heavy-handedly about them um that I just went no I get it I do. Thank you, show. I didn't need you to do a soliloquy about it. Um, But at the same time, because of the fact that I cared enough about everything and everyone that was going on, insofar as I could identify everyone, um, it didn't distract me or annoy me as much as it usually did. Did you pick up on any of this at all while you were watching it? Or was it just kind of baked in well enough for you that it didn't really bother you? It, I mean, it it's heavy-handed with that stuff, uh, certainly, at certain moments, at, at particular, like, there's certain characters who get into that stuff more. But for me, yeah. maybe because I actually felt there were too many characters going on, there, it was juggling a little too much to for me to, it felt, um, it started to feel busy, and... Yeah. Bec- and that was more of a distraction to me than some of the more portentous, um, you know, philosophizing that we were getting. And mm-hmm. so just because only certain of the characters were in that place or had enough information to be doing that sort of uh, heavy handed, uh, you know, introspection about the meaning of life and all these, and uh, there's patterns and all that. There were only so many, because they had, they had so many characters to follow. There's so many different threads to, to connect. They didn't have as much time to get into that stuff. And I think that really helped the show yeah, as much as I would true. have liked for them to pare it down a little bit. Um, the uh, the play for me really worked just because the performance was really good. Um, it's and that, so that, good. It, that scene was fair. Like the, the soliloquy was very, very affecting. Really well done and delivered. Um from obviously from the the actress whose name I can't remember, uh, who's who's giving this little key, but also just the reactions, the way it's shot, um, when her mom rushes up, you know, it was really impactful. Also, I think that part of why I was more willing to go with with this stuff is that it was just such an. I'm just so tired of the small boy is missing from a small town. Like young boy is missing from a yeah. small town genre that having like all this other crazy stuff with it help the medicine go down, you know, <laughs> those, those very familiar sure, beats sure, 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 sure. of grief and distrust and like decades old rivalries or, or grudges coming back and, and all of the, you know, like this was just for me, a more interesting way to do that. And, um, even if in the end, and maybe we should go to a spoiler section here, even if the end I was, I did think it was kind of stupid. Um, the, and and the the path that you know, like the emotional journey, had the same weight 
and the same grief as you expect in a story like that. But it had some other stuff counterbalancing it, which made the whole thing uh, go down smoother for me, um, like in a, on a, an emotional level, on a thematic level as well. Um, and so with that being said, uh, listeners, do, Noel, do you recommend Dark? Should people check it out? Uh, definitely based on the first season. Um, I'm probably going to watch season two soonish. I um, if I can carve out the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not going to watch season two, then I'll report back about it. <laughs> I will probably watch it just because I'm kind of intrigued about season three and the fact that they know that it's like they're always they say they were always planning on a three season arc. Um, is is in, interesting with some of the choices that they make in season two. So, yeah, I would say if if our conversation has piqued your interest, go check it out. If you're like, nope, then this is not a show for you, and that's perfectly okay, too. Um, now let's dive into – I'm going to keep talking a little bit here, listeners, to give you an opportunity to skip ahead or to stop your podcatcher. But we're going to go into spoilers here. Um, so, Noel, how did you feel about some of these reveals this season? By the end of the season, like, we got the Mickle Michael thing, and then we got the Stranger Jonas thing, and then we got, like, the self-creating time machine thing. Uh, how did all that land for you? Um, so the Jonas thing was, I was just like, okay, young Jonas, please catch up with everyone, because it's very clearly you. <laughs> um, it's very clearly you, so please, let's, uh, let's, let's keep this going, um, type of thing. On um, the Mickle Michael thing, um... I actually really, really liked that, um, and it made sense to me. Like, um, it's re- I think the Michael Michaels thing is really important narratively, but also thematically for really emphasizing how very serious this whole thing is, I think. Um, because without it, it's too easy if you have someone slightly older than Mickle he has too much agency and too much of an ability to navigate that and maybe too much of an awareness of what things were like in 1986 or roughly what they were like, um, that to have him just end up stuck there, I think is really, really good. And it also, the show's willingness to show like the class picture of 1987 with him in it, um, was also just really delightful because it just shows you how much of this town is really, broken um so the, the, the they keep call, calling Winden the festering wound um so i just liked that idea that he's been hiding there in plain sight since forever um and just no one ever noticed and i so i just really really like that and i just wish we had gotten a little bit of time with michael um so that we could have seen a better kind of conceptualization of what that is but it's just the him his realization that potentially his realization of how this is all going to play out um, was also just really potent way to kind of kick off the show once we get all that information. Um, the self created time travel mach- or gigs uh, Higgs field generator um, is frustrating and silly, and I don't really buy into it. But I'm assuming it gets explained in season two since old Claudia doesn't really factor into things much until right at the end. So. Okay. Um, for me, yeah, Michael Michael works. Um, but except that they, it seems like they think they're giving an answer for why he killed himself. And that doesn't make any sense. So, right. it doesn't um, track. 
It doesn't track at all. So I'm assuming that's going to be a season two thing. Um, but I think that is frustrating and strange. Uh, otherwise, like, I mean, like, dude, you got like, if your, your aunt is right there, then like, your, Jonas is going to end up macking on his aunt. Come on. You got to, this is why you got to be, <laughs> can't keep these big family secrets in a town so concentrated with just a few families. Um, uh, the the self creating things get really tiresome for me, uh, it, despite despite how well the actor playing Ten House like throws that off, and that just gets uh-huh. exacerbated in a big way in season two with the reveal that I won't spoil for you. That like when I read, I was Thank like, you. okay, well, I'm out. <laughs> was my reaction? Like this is a stupid show, not watching it. But then I had to watch it. Um, so when you finish season two, I will. Let me know. We can talk about it. <laughs> but uh, okay. but there, but some of, some of the stuff really what does work for me, um, and some of the stuff it, it's diminishing returns because as soon as we know the, the Mickle Michael thing, then every time we cut to Ulrich desperately looking looking for Mickle, we know he's gonna not be able. He's not gonna be successful because it's already happened, and they're like, we got Jonas from the future trying to change anything and failing so therefore we know like it it robs some of the dramatic uh uh intensity and energy of these scenes because we know that certain things can and can't happen and rather than that fueling the narrative for me it strips it of all its urgency and i so and i just get sort of exasperated with it and i want like i would like there to be it, it feels too inevitable and fatalistic for me it's like, okay, well, then what's the point of us watching this, right? If none of this can be changed, like, why, why, you know, and I don't get enough of a sense that the writers definitely know what they're doing. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. I don't trust these writers enough yet. And maybe I will by the end of season two. But for me, it's, it's just sort of like a, okay, um, if you stick, it's like one of those ones where I, I'm the, that annoying person is like, I want to wait till it finishes and some other people watch it and tell me that they stick the landing because I'm just going to get annoyed <laughs> if I invest all the energy that the show requires and then they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. 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 It, and some of the character journeys I feel like will be worth it. And some of them I don't care about uh, at all. Um, so it's tricky because I like Jonas, but his mom is terrible. Hannah's the goddamn worst. And, uh, and I started out liking her. Yeah, but she's played so well that she I don't care. Really- She's played very well. Uh, yeah, no, no. The, the performance is great. But I'm just like, you are the worst. Goodbye. Um, and, yeah, there aren't enough characters that I'm invested in yet. And at the end of the season, that's not good. And the reason I think is because they, they're yeah. painstaking and trying to make everybody feel very rounded and and fallible and relatable and human. You know, nobody's just, like, a good guy. Nobody's just evil, except for maybe Noah. And... Uh, what that leaves me with is I I don't have enough people that I'm really invested in. Um, so that's where I'm sort of on the fence with it. Yeah. Whereas I feel generally pretty invested in enough people. Like, I mean, as much as I dislike Ulrich um, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, a really good performance. Yeah, no, like a really great performance, particularly, and we should say 2019 Ulrich. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slash 1953, 1954 Ulrich now. <laughs> um how much of like by the end of it that he feels like a caricature of exactly the 
the detective in the small town child goes missing shows and he just like bends so much into just a satirization of that character of like this is what actually happens when you go too far in a world that you don't understand you end up in prison um or jail in 1953 of like i really appreciate that sort of an arc for that archetype um that it just feels really satisfying to me um so I'm actually like interested to see how that character, 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 not like that performance. I should yeah. really specify because that's the other that's really difficult in talking about this show, and that's also my favorite thing about the end credits of like, all right, so here's this character, 1953, this actor, 19, 2019, and just like, oh, show, that's so much work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not sense eight levels amount of work, but it's a lot of work. Um, so I think that that whole thread of like in the way that it uses time travel to pick apart that, again, very sort of like weirdly European uh, export of TV police dramas and to just put time travel into it and go, this is what happens. I really like that aspect. So how it just keeps destroying Winden. Um, I just really like it, even though I also have questions about how large this city is and why it isn't larger and all this sort of stuff. Um, like the city itself is like a big question mark in my head because it seems to be comprised of three buildings and houses. And I have questions about where these people shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had questions about how the people who keep traveling back in time are getting food um, with yeah. their no money. Um, yeah. So anyways, well, more on this. Should we do a season spotlight on season two? I'm intrigued. Maybe we should put that on the books for later in the year or during the like the yeah. brief moments of hiatus before everything comes back now in February instead of January. Um, but for now, yeah. it's been a lovely conversation. Um, a few show notes. You can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse.gmail.com. You can find us in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chapter feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed, and we're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And, of course, you're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Uh, thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you for powering through uh, with the, with the half sore throat and go get some tea and rest because we need you in fighting form. I'm certainly going to try. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's all good. And thank you again, Noel. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.